Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Square One. A podcast where we take our guests back to square one, where they first started their business, so that you can learn from their successes and failures. Brought to you by Isaiah and Malcolm with Omni Home Services. Today, it is meet your host, Isaiah Williams. Isaiah is business development leader for Omni Home Services. Isaiah, does it feel weird to be in that seat? It does feel really interesting being on the other side. (laughs) We also have co-host Madison McCann with Speakeasy Productions. Hello. Usually I'm on the other side and I don't even have a mic, so this is really weird for me. Well, we are uh, thankful that you're with us, Madison, and uh, Isaiah, we're going to just jump right into this. Let's do it. So if you don't know Isaiah, Isaiah is a sharp young man. You know, Isaiah used to work at the bank that I go to, and Isaiah just left us such a, you know, impression on me as a smart young man that we felt like we had to bring him on at, at some capacity, and he's been in charge of hiring and culture uh, for not just Omni, but for Chattanooga Home Inspector um, and Elevate Home Staging and Design. So we're going to jump right into it. Isaiah, tell us about one of the biggest failures you've experienced. Yeah. So hiring in the small business arena, really any arena, it's not any any uh, secret that it can be difficult. And especially with the current market that we're in and have been for a little bit here, finding quality talent is not something that's always easy to do but businesses, they do the best that they can, right? So I would say for the time that I've been with Omni, that hiring at times has been really more than I would say a difficulty, a learning opportunity. The biggest learning opportunity I think that has presented itself is just some of the descriptions that we've had for some jobs. You know, The reality is that a job can look a certain way for maybe a few months, right? And as business trends, um, markets tend to change over time, that can just begin to look different, especially in small business where people are needing to be able to be versatile and to do different things and have their job evolve over a certain timeline. I think what I failed to recognize coming from more of a corporate setting is that When you hire someone, you have to hire based off of who they are as a person, rather than them just being able to fulfill some um, hard descriptions on a uh, on a job posting. Right. So that's been a learning example for me. Um, It's been good for my career trajectory to be able to see how we can better hire people in the future and best on RN as, um, you know, a leadership team to tee these people up for success. But um, yeah, just failures in the realm of hiring, bringing someone on, they do a great job for an extended period of time and then things change and maybe that's no longer the case. So how do you handle that with someone whenever their job has changed and the job that you hired them for, they were great at and then what you need them for, they're not so much. How do you pivot that person? You know, I would like to say that training is going to be the biggest thing that's going to factor in there. It's not reasonable for any employer to think that you can just easily pivot someone and they should know everything about the new job that they're going to be starting to do or uh, the new requirements that they're going to fall into. But training that person, really teeing them up for success is the most important thing that we can do. Um, Also, 
understanding that a person's attitude is really going to play a lot into that as well. So you might have someone that's comes in, they're super excited and they're really willing to evolve and change with the company as it goes through those growth stages, because that's what it really is most of the time, right? It's not that the company just starts doing something completely 90 degree change on where they were headed. It's that things continue to get better and better at the company and roles just start to change naturally. So we tee that up through training, um, really mentoring them, help giving them the resources that they need to be able to succeed in that role, but also on their end, a willingness, right? Not everyone has a willingness to um, get away from what it was that they originally came in for. So the combination of both of those things is so important when we're looking at the natural evolution of a role over time. How do you ask for that in an interview? Because if you say, are you adaptable? Are you willing to change? Are you willing to be a team player? Everyone's going to say They're yes. going to say yes. Yes, of course. I think maybe looking for an example of where that has been the case in the past. And we talk about failures, right? That's not something that I used to look for. So let's say that we have a really recent college grad. They might do well in a role that we know is going to have to change over time. Maybe they don't. So if we know that that's what that looks like or that's what that's going to look like after a certain period of time, it might be the case that you start looking for a person that's been able to demonstrate being specifically in the small business arena too, because that just that's the nature of the beast around here. We know that things are going to change over time. Looking for someone that's had that demonstrated experience in that setting can usually be a really big teller on that. I think the answer to your question, Madison, is you really just don't. I mean, you don't know, right? <laughs> yeah. That's just, um, and, and they adapt or they don't. Right. So there's that. Uh, Isaiah, <laughs> tell us uh, about your favorite routine. You're a big routine person, right? I am. Um, you know, I feel like most people are going to say like morning routine or like gym routine, but an interview question that I actually ask a lot of people about is their Sunday afternoon. I believe that it's one of the most like, truly telling things of who a person is. And if someone consistently does something Sunday afternoon, it's going to give you a good idea of who they are as a person, right? So for me, I really like the outdoors. Um, Sunday afternoon, usually try to get a hike in. While I'm on the hike, I love, 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 love laying in my hammock and really being able to just crack open a book or do a reflection on what the week has looked like. Just having that time to myself in an environment that's really conducive towards just being able to think and not have to not have to worry about what's going on around you. That's my favorite routine by far. Madison, I told you he was a sharp young dude because if I was laying in my hammock, I'd be cracking a beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. There I, you go. Isaiah, so um hiring is like your jam, it's your, you know, thing. But it's also retention is also, you know, your responsibility. I'd love to talk about the hiring process as far as because everybody out here, if you listen to this podcast, you know that post pandemic hiring is a pain in the ass. Yeah. I mean, how many people out of 100 that even apply will actually make it to an interview process? So I'd love to hear what kind of resources you put into making the interview and hiring process a win 
and then retention would be culture. Mm. I know those are two different, completely loaded questions, but go down that path for us. Tell us what's up. Yeah, let's get into it. So for hiring, one of the best things, best tools that we've had in the modern era is Indeed. Love the site. It does a really good job at filtering candidates through the requirements that we give them, but also targeting candidates as well to at least in a broad term, try to align the right candidate with the right job or right position, right? From there, we essentially kind of depends on the position as well, but everyone that comes into our organization is going to have at least two interviews. If it's a higher level position, you're probably going to have three or four. And that's because it costs money to hire people. And sometimes it costs some pretty significant money um, through being here. I've learned how we can usually cut down on that at least a bit. But from that time, after the person interviews with us, um, there's going to be several things that we want to see. I mean, one time around our team is going to be an important one. So they're going to have some Right along time, if you're an inspector, if you're coming in and you want to be in the marketing realm, we're going to have shadowing time for you. Also, personality assessments. I know if people that do hiring are hearing this, there is a really large divide <laughs> as far as whether that's going to be beneficial to you as a, um, as a job hire or not. I love it. I think that it really has a good, um, it keeps a good pulse on who people are. You know, of course, there's always the question, are they going to fill it out as accurately as possible? End of the day, I think that personality assessments are a good tool. You use a free one, right? Yeah. You want to go ahead and let our listeners know? Yeah. So the 16 personalities assessment, you'll learn that people even just like to have this for like a casual basis just to hear um, as far as, you know, like what personality type are you? Oh, that's cool. This one matches up with that one. But as a business, it really helps us to see Usually we have a few different personality types that are very prevalent throughout the organization. And that's what we, at least to a small extent, take into consideration when we think about hiring someone. Of course, it's not by any means at all the biggest thing that weighs in our decision as far as whether they come on or not. But if we see that there's a pattern of people that do well in a certain department, then we're going to keep that in mind. On the back end of that, we talk about retention and thank you for doing so because I feel like so many times companies think about how do we get people through the door? How do we get positions filled? Not a lot of thought as far as how do we keep these people here and happy? If you're going to do all the work, spend their time, spend the resources on the front end to acquire the talent, it is just if, if not even more important to keep the talent there. So the way that we do that at Chai specifically, uh, for one, we have company outings. We find it really important to continually be around our people. We also have team meetings pretty consistently every Monday, actually, in fact, for our leadership team meeting at Chai to help us stay in each other's lives. The more that we can stay front facing with your team in any organization, the more successful you're going to be. Um, your decision making no longer comes down to, oh, well, this is going to be best for XYZ profitability. People start to mean more to you as a organization at that point. And the interesting byproduct is that usually the company does better for that reason when you put people first. Okay. Going back to the personality assessment. Oh, yeah. Can you share some insights on what 
personalities you look to hire and try and then also second part how do you make sure that you are keeping diversity in mind for that instead of just hiring the same traits across the board yep very good point so another um kind of personality test that we like to use is the color assessment so usually have green blue red or yellow people Green people, if as we will, and we'll kind of just shorten this for time's sake, green people usually tend to be more team-oriented and less focused on self, more willing to accept um, feedback and pretty coachable as an all-around, just as long as you do it in the right way, right? You don't want to be like too harsh with that person. Anything along the lines of that, they're also very much... Um, Team over I, that's, to answer your question, that's the personality that we look for a lot. The yellow are really outgoing people usually, and the yellow, <laughs> the yellow folks are usually pretty important in the marketing realm for us. And when we hire people, it's really interesting. We have to openly acknowledge, okay, this person is probably a green person, which means that maybe they're not super outgoing. Maybe they're a little bit introverted. The in-person marketing may not be the best for them, right? And usually as far as those colors go, green people are not. Your yellow people are going to thrive on that all the time. If you ask them to be like a blue person, for example, that are super analytic, very numbers-based people, don't need other people around them to succeed and actually are preferable on just, you know, getting by theirself and staying on the grind, Yellow and blue people usually do not mesh really well within an organization. They might be able to work together like cordially or professionally, but if you ask them to be friends hanging out after work, that's probably not going to be the go-to for those two. How many blue and yellow people do you have here? <laughs> so really good question. I would say at Chai... Chattanooga Home Inspector. Yes. Thank you very much. At Chattanooga Home Inspector, we have maybe one or two people that are like, bluish green we have if i yeah if i, if I can that, it's a little difficult for us as home inspectors because a blue like is a very it, you're facing an electrical panel kind of guy or gal mm. and while we need to be attention to detail uh we also need them to have interpersonal skills and that's something you just can't teach to somebody we can teach them how to do an inspection but how to like talk and communicate is a lot more difficult to try to teach someone. Yeah. You said yellow for marketing and I'm thinking your inspectors need to be yellow because they're dealing usually with the homeowner. And hundred percent on that. I would say the only caveat is that your yellow people usually tend to be super bubbly at the same time <laughs> and like super outgoing. Mm -hmm. Malcolm makes a great example about our inspectors needing to have the, aspect of being able to talk to people. So that's another thing that we look for in almost every single person that comes in the organization. If you can't be able to converse with the public and even more so if you can't, if you can't be a good communicator with your team, it becomes difficult. It becomes really recurringly difficult to just keep that person happy for one. I'm really excited that you asked that question and that you explained that. For reference for our listeners, a good book is called Surrounded by Idiots. 
um, it doesn't say we're idiots. It just says that somebody that's not your color, uh, you just might think they're an idiot. To end is the last color is red, and that's typically your asshole. I'll go ahead and admit, you know, everybody says that. And everybody has a primary and a secondary color. So I would recommend checking out that book. But Isaiah, you said it perfectly when you said you have to communicate with each other. So the reason we want to do an assessment on ourselves and team is if you're going to tell somebody like Drew that's a green something that would come from a red or blues aspect, they don't hear it. Mm -hmm. The guy that's a red doesn't hear. It's hard for them to hear it from the yellow, the outgoing bubbly person. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. So Isaiah makes a great point in learning those colors and trying to communicate in that person's color, because if you don't, they will not listen. They will not hear you. What is red, though? That's not what the personality quiz says. What is the actual? So reds are really just people that have strong personalities. So they're really driven. The byproduct is that it's also a little bit difficult to keep them on course if it's not the course that's for them. <laughs> that they think yeah. for them. <laughs> very results driven, very short in probably conversation. So... One thing I would love to go back to when we talk about retention is keeping your people on track as a um, as an organization. So one thing that we also uh, have instilled in the team at Chattanooga Home Inspector is a book club. And we're currently reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. And that has just done so much for our team as far as consistent communication i'm really appreciating this from the book or this is a really good highlight that i want to take and apply to my personal life it's driving a lot of internal communication that might not be there otherwise so no matter whether it's a book club um, whatever club it might be to keep that communication within your organization really flowing you want to do that. You want your guys to be talking to each other, to share that camaraderie there, because that does nothing but just uplift everyone. Well, since you mentioned it, do you have any book recommendations that you would like to share? So my personal book recommendation, uh, one that's just done a lot for me, is Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Um, really good note on startups, talks a lot about just how to start making things happen from a business and revenue standpoint when you're starting basically from nothing. Uh, another one, when we look at the like culture and hiring perspective is Let My People Go Surfing by Yvonne Chouinard. Really highlights for one, how companies foremostly can be sustainable in the modern age, but also talks a lot to you about how to create a company that's puts people first um, and is really a good place to work for the people there. Isaiah, we often ask our guests if you can teach our listeners one positive form of ROI in marketing. But since you put so much time into recruiting, can you give us a tip of what to do or what not to do as far as like a very specific Indeed campaign? Yeah, so... Man, I really wish that I would have known this going in. But instead of making a sponsored job listing on Indeed, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And does it give you better visibility on the front end if you're going to do a listing? 1,000%. But here's the thing. If you really rack 
for one, all of your personal networks, uh, the people that you know professionally, the people that you know personally, dig into those as well. Don't be afraid to ask your family, friends about people that you think might be a good fit for a position or just throw in positions out there to people. The whole purpose of Indeed is to put applicants on your radar. It's not always going to give you qualified applicants, so you might as well throw that out there to your family and friends anyways, because you're spending no money on that and you are spending money on Indeed qualified ads. So that's what I would do on that. Also to recently on Indeed, on um, a couple of other websites as well, we've thrown out non-sponsored campaigns, which means they're not gonna be forefront, but if you have a job listing, so like for Elevate, home staging and design right now, shout out. We've got a staging position open and that is always a position that so many people are gonna apply for anyways. Don't sponsor that job. You're wasting money. Sorry if anyone that's like a account executive from India is listening to this. <laughs> but yeah, you're going to get those applicants anyway. Save your company's resources and spend the time doing the legwork yourself, digging into your network and your friends and family, other professional resources. Um, maybe it's past coworkers, past mentors. Just put that out there, and if your network is filled with quality people, chances are they're going to give you some good qualified leads anyways for free. Since Omni is kind of a complicated thing where we represent multiple companies, Chattanooga Home Inspector, Nuclear Pest Control, Radon Eraser, and Elevate Home Staging and Design, Isaiah interviews a plethora of people. So Isaiah also keeps a Google Sheet of anybody that actually came in and interviewed and their qualities. And it's just a default data bank, basically. So if you're listening and you need some team members, get a hold of Isaiah. <laughs> you know, we want to place good people. And if we don't have that position available, uh, somebody else might. You know, it never fails that when I talk to people in the small business arena that hiring is rough. And it's rough whether it's like a business owner trying to do all the hiring himself, or it's rough if they have a hiring manager that's just trying to do it on behalf of the business and just doesn't know the best way to go about it. Keeping that database, keeping up with people that you've talked to in the past can really prove to be an invaluable resource. And so when we talk about hiring as a subject, you need to do everything that you can to have the cards stacked in your favor because it's um, it's something that every company is struggling with right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, you mentioned Indeed. Mm-hmm. What about other platforms like LinkedIn, yeah. ZipRecruiter? Do you use any of those platforms? So LinkedIn, yeah, I do. And I use it really specifically and kind of how I was just talking about as far as reaching out to people that are in your network that you think directly would be a good fit. Also use Glassdoor. Glassdoor has been pretty decent as well. Um, But yeah, between those three, we've always been able to have a really, really, really nice amount of candidates that apply. And from there, it's just really filtering out who's going to be the best fit for your organization, not just who's going to be the best fit for the job. Yeah. Do you ever post on socials for the company that you're hiring for? So essentially for our socials, usually it's actually going to be on the Chattanooga Home Inspector side. So we'll put out a listing for an inspector and it never fails that we have at least a few applicants that'll get back to us from there. 
Also, I tell you what, it's kind of a unorthodox source, if you will, but we get the most qualified leads through is if you have a company website, start a hiring tab, let people know what candidates that you're looking for. And it never fails that we get people that just are looking at our website and they're like, man, I would really like to be a home inspector or I'd like to be a stager. Let me email the company head or whoever's in charge of hiring there. And that always gets to the right person. And it's usually a person that we have a great conversation with at minimum. Uh, to follow up on that, I know it's not Isaiah that usually makes that post, but Laurel, the great job that she does, shout out, she'll put together something and we send it to our past clients. So we've got a database of 15,000 past clients. They see that we're looking for help and they say, oh man, these guys did a really good job for me. And we really like the process. I like that person. Yeah, I want to be a part of that, you know, culture. So and who knows, maybe you'll get some qualified applicants from this podcast. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> well, if anyone's listening, they should go to your website. Joinnow.team. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit. Hmm? I want to talk about the podcast and why you and Malcolm decided to start doing this. So, and I'm sure that this will be a twofold answer on Malcolm and I's part, but... um. We want it to be able to provide more education for people that are getting down the road of entrepreneurship and basically notice that there's so many podcasts that really highlight this went right, this went right, this went right in my career, and this got me to where I am now. But there's always, in my opinion, more to learn from failures than there are just for successes. And I really like hearing about the failures that people have gone through that way that you know what to avoid in the future. And so we just get real in the podcast and talk to people about where they've succeeded, but also really making sure to emphasize where people have failed as well, because we want to deliver value to people. And the more value that we can deliver to help someone, the better. Because let's be real, entrepreneurship is going to be one of the most difficult roads that anyone pursues in their life anyways. So they might as well get as much help as they can. 100% right. As Isaiah, if I'm answering for myself too now, the problem is you don't have a lot of people out there that are admitting and talking about the failures. You heard on my last uh, episode that I've made a ton of failures and I probably wouldn't have if somebody would have like reached out to me and said this, or if I'd have had the uh, wherewithal to research like what not to do. So oops, that's my bad. But when somebody that's a budding entrepreneur, um, my buddy James Blevins, shout out to him, uh, landscaping company. It's so easy for us to say, Hey man, all I need to do is get a guy, pay him $20 an hour, throw him in a truck. That sounds pretty damn easy, right? Well, it's not because $20 an hour is what you're paying him, right? And what we don't, we're not, what we're not told is you're going to have to be playing employer tax on that person. There's another, what, 20%. That person is going to need workers' comp, right? Okay. This person is going to need uh, additional insurance. That truck is going to need to have a commercial rider if it's his personal truck. He's got to be compensated for the miles. Uh, we're not told 
to foresee that $20 an hour guy in a, ju- in a, in a truck is more like $60 an hour. And on top of that, you say, well, the $60 guy, an hour guy is going to bring in $100 worth of revenue. That's cool. But Uncle Sam wants 30% of that right off the rip. So now you're paying a guy $60 an hour to bring in $100 an hour, and you're paying Uncle Sam 30% of that. You have just made $10 an hour. And that's with everything going smooth. What happens when he hits somebody with that truck? Or a, a rock goes through a window, or you have to buy a leaf blower, or you go into uh, you know, winter and, and seasonal work. People don't talk about this. Yeah. So, I mean, everything that Malcolm just highlighted on is so valuable because people need to know that on the front end. And also, too, in the same light, that's not to discourage anyone from going down this route. It's just to best educate people to know what to expect that way, people can get mentally galvanized before they even go down that road. Mentally galvanized. That's a rider downer right there. <laughs> Isaiah, in your short two-year term with us, I know, man, we talking about pivoting. You've pivoted back and forth and up and down. But if you could go back to your super younger self Back to square one, what would you tell yourself coming on? Yeah, interestingly enough, probably would be the exact same thing I would tell an applicant about being ready to work here, which is adaptability and flexibility is going to be key. Um, When I think about my work and career trajectory, just being willing to accept opportunities as they come and gather the experience Ultimately, understand that if you're starting this route as a younger person, there's going to be so many different opportunities that present themselves along the way by the time that you are done with it all. And so uh, taking opportunities for what they are and always being really excited to go and get something done, bring value to a company and really want to um, just make the best of every opportunity that you can. I love it. Thanks for being here as always. And thank you very much to Madison McCann with Speakeasy Productions for being our co-host today. Shout out. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Square One Podcast, a podcast brought to you by Omni Home Services, where we rep Chattanooga Home Inspector, Nuclear Pest Control, Elevate Home Staging and Design, and Radon Eraser. We release a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode.